So this past spring, I stumbled across this new Netflix show, Is It Cake? Maybe some of you guys have heard of the show. Maybe some of you guys have seen the show. But if you haven't, maybe you have seen these videos going around recently where people take objects and they turn them into cakes. This trend's become pretty popular where where someone takes an ordinary item, maybe it's a a food item like a a burger or a taco or a personal item like a a shoe or a purse or, or really any item for that matter, and they turn it into a cake. And naturally, Netflix had to capitalize on this new trend and turn it into the newest, greatest reality television competition. So, so in the show, contestants or cake artists, I believe they're called, they, they take objects and they turn them into cakes to try to mess with the judges' perceptions and expectations of what a cake actually is and what a cake looks like. When you see these groups of similar objects, you have this expectation about what the cake is supposed to look like. You see the cake and you don't expect it to look like this big greasy burger with this toasted bun or some fancy leather handbag with all this intricate stitching. But then when you take a step back, you begin to realize that these cakes are actually way better than you would expect them to be. In the same way that we expect a cake to look a certain way, We expect God to look a certain way too. Throughout time, humans have had these historic expectations about who God is and what God is supposed to be like. And in many ways, Jesus fails to meet these expectations. But when we take a step back and we realize that our expectations are not always right, we see that Jesus is actually better than we expect. In the New Testament era, the Jews had this expectation about, the prom- about who the promised Messiah was going to be, about who the promised Messiah would be like. And in many ways, Jesus failed to meet these expectations. The Jews, they witnessed Jesus' miracles. They saw Jesus heal people. They saw Jesus cast out demons. They saw Jesus do all these miraculous things. But that wasn't good enough for them. The Jews wanted something more. See, all these miracles that Jesus performed in the Jews' minds, they were just earthly signs. But the Jews expected this bigger sign, this bigger, more powerful sign from heaven, the sign that would prove with ironclad certainty that Jesus was the Messiah. You see, every miracle recorded in the Bible is this gracious gift from God to us that testifies of who Jesus is. But that wasn't good enough for the Jews. The Jews witnessed these miracles, and they wanted something more. They demanded something more. And our text tells us that our text tells us that this expectation was a stumbling block to the Jews. The word picture here in the original Greek is is that of a trap, a trap which both entices but also deceives its victims. In this way, the Jewish expectation was not only wrong. But it actually led the Jews further away from the truth of who Jesus actually was. And on the other end of the spectrum, you had the Greeks, who did not believe in God, who did not have the Bible, and rather than signs and miracles, they demanded wisdom and rational explanations to the wisdom, or rational explanations to the questions of the world. And to them, Jesus didn't meet their expectations either. As verse 18 says, the message of the cross is foolishness. 
as humans, the gospel, it doesn't really make sense to us. And, and therefore, we tend to challenge God and, and question his authority. We, we ask these why questions of God. Like, why would Jesus allow himself to be arrested and die a criminal's death? Why would Jesus, the Son of God who has control and authority over the whole world, allow himself to die at the hands of sinners? Why would Jesus do all of this for me? This message, it doesn't really make sense to us, and it didn't make sense to even the smartest people in the world. Where are the wise, the teachers, the philosophers, Paul writes in verse 20? Paul tells us that God is going to pick apart every wrong idea and expectation about himself, and that God is going to make even the smartest people seem foolish. See, like the Jews and the Greeks, we have our own expectations about who we expect God to be. We demand that God be loving, but continuously question his love for us when we face those negative parts of life. We expect God to remove all hardship from the world, all difficulty. But then when we face new trials and temptations, we have this tendency to push God aside and instead rely on our own understanding. See, at times we're like the Jews, following our own ideas about how we want God to be. In times of suffering, we try to bargain with God. When things are going bad in our life, we have this, we have this tendency to, to pray more and to do more good works because we have this idea in our head that a loving God won't allow bad things to happen to good people. In these times, we not only overplay our hand by having too much confidence in our own ability to fix our problems, but it actually ends up messing with our view of how God actually works. And at other times, we're like the Greeks, looking for rational explanations to the questions of the world. We make idols out of our favorite celebrities and politicians when we more gladly listen to what they have to say than we do to what God's word says. We make idols out of shaky human truths when we are more confident in these truths than we are in God's truth. Often, we turn our expectations into idols. And often, our expectations become our God. You see, in the cake competition, the winning cake is probably not what you would expect it to be. So in the finale of the show, contestants were allowed to design a cake after any object that they wanted. They could choose any object in the world and guess what the winning cake was. Now, just in case you haven't seen the show, uh, spoiler alert, I don't want to ruin it for you, but the winning cake was a suitcase. A, a suitcase. I mean, like, come on, a suitcase? That's the climax of the show? Like, how anticlimactic is that? Like, who would ever expect a cake like that? It wasn't even a, a nice suitcase. It was old and brown. It had clothes falling out of it. Like, it wasn't even packed correctly. Like, if someone gave you this cake on your birthday, you'd probably be pretty confused. Like, wow, thanks, a suitcase. Like, it doesn't make sense. This isn't at all what you would expect a cake to look like, let alone a winning cake. But this cake is better than you expect it to be. This was a prize-winning cake. And it's only when you know that purpose of the cake that you begin to realize that it's actually better than what you would expect it to be. You see, we often expect God to be this 
amazing, powerful person who's going to come down from heaven and save the world with his triumphant victory. And don't get me wrong, God is amazing and powerful, and he does save us. But he doesn't do it in the way that we'd expect him to. God saved the world by taking the form of a man. A man who looked no different than you and me. A lowly human who chose to be weak and to die. It seems foolish for God. Uh, from a human perspective, the cross appears foolish. But when we remove our expectations, we see that we are better off because of the cross. We are better off because of God's wisdom. You see, foolishness and weakness are not characteristics of God. God isn't foolish and he isn't weak. But it can seem that way sometimes from our perspective. Instead, we can better understand this idea as this foolish thing, which is wiser than man, and this weak thing, which is stronger than man. And that foolish and weak thing is Christ crucified. It seems foolish for a father to send his son into the world to die. That's exactly what God did. Like a cake artist, God beautifully designed this plan of salvation through his wisdom. He designed, designed this plan of salvation, which started with God as a baby. A baby. I mean, like, come on, a baby? Who would expect God's plan of salvation to involve a baby? A baby who would grow up, live a perfect human life, die on a cross for all of your sins, just to rise from the dead three days later. It seems foolish for God to send his son Jesus into the world to die on behalf of all humans. It not only seems foolish, but the cross appears weak. I don't know about you guys, but Jesus sure didn't look strong and powerful to me when he was hanging up there dying on a cross. This message, it doesn't make sense. It's hard for us to wrap our heads around why God does the things he does. But that's exactly why God isn't weak and exactly why God isn't foolish. You see, God takes our expectations and he flips them upside down. He takes those things which we, expect to, which we expect to be bad and he turns them into something amazing. God took this seemingly foolish action of sending his son to die, this seemingly weak event of Jesus' suffering and death. He took what appears weak and foolish and he turned it into the greatest display of wisdom and strength the world had ever seen. God took death, and he turned it into life. Christ's saving work doesn't look like a plan that we would expect from God, but the results from that plan are far better than we could ever imagine. You see, because of Jesus' saving work, we get to receive so many blessings from God, blessings that couldn't come from any other plan. Because of Jesus, we get to have this enduring relationship with God through faith. And we get to know that if God loved us so much that he was willing to send his son to die for us, that he will continue to love us at all times and in all situations. And through the cross, we have the even greater promise of our own resurrection with Jesus and the promise of eternal life with God forever in heaven. Only the wisdom of the creator of the universe could create this plan to crucify Christ, and only the strength and power of God could execute this plan. Christ, God's plan is better than our plan, and Jesus is better 
than we expect. You are better off because of Jesus. And as it says in verse 23, this is the message that we preach. We preach Christ crucified. It's not a message that fits human expectations, but it is better than we expect. Like a cake artist, through his wisdom, God beautifully designed this plan of salvation out of love for the world, out of love for each and every one of you. So go and preach the gospel. Proclaim the message of the cross. The cross is God's love for you, and God's love is more than you deserve. And Jesus, Jesus is better than we expect. Amen.